Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 7.3, the third episode in our series on Olympic National Park. In this episode, Brian speaks with park ranger Rachel Berger about the Ho Rainforest, what makes it special, and what to do when you visit. Before we get to the conversation, we would like to ask for your help to grow our audience by telling your friends, subscribing, and leaving a review. Also, we love creating each episode, but it takes significant time and effort. Please consider supporting our work through Patreon, which provides a way for listeners to support the show. Just go to our website, everybodysnationalparks.com, and click on Support the Show. Thank you for listening. Now for this week's discussion on Olympic National Park. I'm here with Rachel Berger. Uh, she's an interpreter of park ranger at Olympic National Park and has worked for the National Park Service for 16 years. Hi, Rachel. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So where are you based? Are you actually at the ranger station in the whole rainforest? Yes, we have a ranger station and a visitor center here. Excellent. I think I, um, I don't know if you were uh, on duty the day my brother and I stopped by last fall. Uh, not that you would have any reason to, to remember us, but I do remember uh, two rangers uh, were super helpful for us. We we stayed at the Front Country campsite uh, for a night, kind of explored around um, Ho before we went on to do some backcountry uh, hiking. So uh, if that was you, uh, it's great to talk to you again. And if it wasn't, it's good to talk to you for the first time. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah, it was probably either me or, or one of the other park rangers up here. So I've said this on other podcasts, the whole rainforest, if you think about the entire system, I have a mental list of about 10 things that I really needed to see. And this was on that list. This was one of the 10 or so aspects of it, of a national park in the whole system that I need to see. So the whole rainforest, I'll start really basic. Um, what is the whole rainforest and, um, and why does it exist? Why is there a rainforest um, in the Pacific Northwest in Washington State? Uh, you know, you think about the Amazon, you think Southeast Asia. Why is there one in the Pacific Northwest? Um, well, we are, uh, it's, it's the location and uh, the fact that we are in a valley that tends to catch a lot of rain and precipitation from the big storms that come in off the Pacific. Um, and there's actually four of them along the Olympic coastline. Uh, we are the, the second from the top. There's um, the Quinault, Sleep, Toe, and Bogashiel, all of uh, which count as temperate rainforests. And it's that combination of mountains and lots of rain and storms from the Pacific. How did Ho survive? How was it not logged? I think that's one thing that uh, was amazing is that uh, it, it was, it was, it's still there, right? And, and, and it's managed to survive before the National Park was there. How did it, what's the story of how it survived? Was it just located in such an area that there was no logging companies trying to get there? Or what, what was one of the reasons why we get to enjoy it now? Well, it was uh, set aside um, as a national preserve uh, by Teddy Roosevelt. And part of the reason for that was concern at that time over losing old-growth forest, losing most of the old-growth forest, and also the Roosevelt elk. Mm -hmm. So there were two factors that, that led Teddy Roosevelt to set this area aside. And that's why the elk here called Roosevelt elk is in his honor for doing that. That's right. And, you know, I think uh, the stereotype is, you know, the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, gets a lot of rain. But how much rain does the rain, and I, I'll add as an editorial, is uh, somehow my brother and I were there and um, only had a tiny bit of rain. And so it was kind of a, amazing that we missed it. But how much rain do you get? Well, 
Uh, we can get an average of about 12 feet of rain a year wow. in the whole rainforest, and Seattle gets around maybe 40 to 44 inches of rain a year. So there's quite a bit of difference. All right. So with that difference, and I know this is hard without uh, um, verbally talking about this, but can you describe then what what manifests itself with all that rain, your valley? What does the whole rainforest look like? Uh, what does it look like? Well, right now, um, March is, is one of the months where we have sometimes four seasons in one day. <laughs> um, we've, we've actually driven to work and gone through sun, sleet, snow, and rain all in one day, and it'll switch back and forth every 15 minutes sometimes. Right. Um, the, the old joke, you know, if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes and it'll do something different. Right. Is uh, true out here in the spring, but uh, we do have a, a wet season and a dry season. And most of our rain falls from October through April with a little bit in September and in May. And then June, July, and August are pretty dry. Uh, so typically in July, we only get maybe three inches of rain. Uh, the last two summers have been drier than normal. And we've last July, we didn't even get an inch in the summer. But when you say dry, I, I would imagine that the rainforest still is that verdant green all the time, or does it does it actually dry out a little bit in the summer? Yeah, it, the moss can look a little drier sometimes in the summer, but not always. What happens is in the morning um, we get fog coming up, and part of the role that the moss mats play is to collect moisture from that fog, and it'll drip down onto the forest floor, and some of the trees, especially the maple trees, put little roots into their moss mats, and mm -hmm. they can get a drink that way. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's beneficial for both, for the moss and the tree. So actually, back that up, what, what is a moss mat? Uh, moss mats are, are those big, thick mats of hanging mosses and you know, flickerish ferns that grow in there, too, that grow around the branches of the trees. Right, which gives it its dramatic, a very dramatic look. These old growth, like a hemlock, old growth, but hanging off those branches are these are this drooping moss, which, depending on your imagination, can be resplendent spooky I, I just thought it was really cool so i don't whatever adjective you want to put in but that gives its dramatic look is there also a ground covering i know we uh you know there's some trails that have been blazed and some of them are are ada accessible um but is there the ground covering how would you describe the ground covering in the rainforest when you're when you're looking at it from the trail yeah it's really thick um we have a lot of of, of ground water too so lots of uh, springs and streams that are here, and then the river is, is fed through snow and glacier melt. So we have enough water here for the plants, and the ground cover is very thick. And it's like a combination of all sorts of understory plants, like sword fern and salmonberry are two of the main ones that you'll see. Um, flowers, oxalis, different kinds of moss that grow on the ground. Right. Um, so it makes for a very, very thick ground cover out here. Yeah, how how thick is thick? Oh, it's, it's thick enough that it can shade out baby trees. Yeah. So that's where you get the nurse logs, and you see the trees growing on top of the fallen dead trees. Oh, uh, that's interesting. So I didn't realize the reason why uh, nurse logs, as you said, the, the falling, rotting logs, but uh, they're giving uh, their, their purchase for new trees to, to grow out of. But the, a reason right. is because the ground cover is so thick that the trees can't get purchased in the ground. I, didn't, I never put two and two together. Yeah, and that's why we leave all of the, the, the trees where they fall, because without nurse logs, you don't have 
way for new trees to grow. So they're very essential for the forest lifespan and life cycle. Uh, I know you mentioned the three other rainforests in the area. How many rainforests are in the United States? Well, we've got the temperate rainforest in uh, Washington and in all, that go up through British Columbia into Alaska. And then there is a tropical rainforest in Puerto Rico oh. uh, called El Yunque. But uh, so I think we can say with good confidence that this is a pretty rare ecosystem yeah. in the at least the lower 48, but even the whole 50 states and mm-hmm. territories, right? So this is a real. This is I, I'm saying that on purpose. This is why it was pretty special and why uh, why I wanted to see it. You know, it's uh, I, I said this with um, with my brother. I was struck, my, and my brother is a local. He 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 lives in the area, uh, and he pointed this out to me. I was struck that when you would get to the lip of the national park boundaries you could see you know the logging would happen right up to your property and so that was pretty dramatic it's not like it gradually leveled off um and it's also just illustrative if not for the national park Um, or you know again to an extent the the national forest that's there as well which I, i understand can have some logging i uh if not for you all um this would have been logged this old growth would have been logged right away so i think that's also makes it makes it pretty special but um rachel you mentioned it it, absolutely you mentioned the three trails um and i think there's a huge difference in some of these trails do you want to just briefly describe uh these three trails so a visitor that's arriving at the visitor center um what are some of the trails that they can they can look at well we've got uh the the main trail here is the co river trail and that's the trail that will eventually take you all the way out to blue glacier and to summit mount olympus um, and that is about 18.5 miles one way. Yeah, that's, so well, that's the longest one that we've got here. Yeah, that, you know, my brother and I didn't have time, uh, but that looked, um, and and you have a ranger station up at the glacier in the summertime, I think. In the and, summertime, yeah. In the wintertime, that whole area, not only is about 200 inches of precipitation, <laughs> and most of that is snow. So we don't staff that in the winter. I totally understand. <laughs> ice, ice station zebra. I totally understand. But just the the drama of starting at this at this verdant, grown old growth rainforest, and eighteen miles later, um, after some elevation gain, a little bit of a little bit then uh, uh, um, uh, a little bit of elevation gain, you end up at a glacier. And I think that's uh, yeah. with backcountry sites. I think that's. Um, very, very uh, dramatic. Uh, but let's say that uh, you don't have time to for an 18.5-mile hike, gaining thousands of feet in elevation, camping in the backcountry, and then camping on a glacier. What would you say, what, what are the other two trails? What can they offer a family that just has a few hours there? Well, the, the Ho River Trail has some shorter day hikes that you can do. There's a, a waterfall that's at 2.7 miles down the trail, one way. So that gives you about a five-and-a-half-mile round trip and the trail stays level for about the first 10 mile, ten to 12 miles, and then you have the 4,000-foot climb in the last part of the trail. So right. the waterfall hike and the cedar grove that's four miles out on the river trail are both good flat day hikes for people. Yeah. And then there's the, the two loop trails, Hall of Mosses and Spruce Nature Trail. And those are both about a mile yeah, so that's ex- that's exactly what my brother and I did. We did we hiked out the ri- uh, on the river trail to the waterfall and back, and then uh, at the end of the day we we knocked out the uh, the loop trails as well. Just to, uh, which was a great way to 
great way to end of the day. But that was just to get a taste of um, of the rainforest, and it was uh, that in and of itself was a great day. The five mile hike there and back, not too arduous at all, and then to see the uh, the interpretive trails as well. Um, visit the visitor center where we we think we may have met you. Um, it was a, that was a perfectly uh, a perfectly fine day and a perfectly uh, achievable hikes. Yeah, yeah, and they're really good for that because they're they are short, and a lot of people who come out here are trying to see uh, several things in one day. Yeah, uh, and not everybody has time, or not everybody wants to do eight to ten miles worth of hiking in a day. So you can fit Hall of Mosses in with a trip to the beach or going up to Hurricane Ridge. Right. Right, that's right. I guess that's a, I haven't thought about it in that way. But if you have, you know, your twenty-four hours or one one day in Olympic National Park, I guess you can knock those out. Um, see the Hall of Mosses, Hurricane Ridge, go out to the one of the you know, Ruby Ridge or whatever the case is, and uh, that's your day. I didn't I didn't think of it in that terms, but that's a that's a, a rush day, but that's a that's a pretty good way to check a few boxes. Yeah, and it it works out. It'll be a long day in in a lot of cases because I think. Uh, the distances that are that you have to drive get underestimated. Uh, we're pretty far away from Seattle. It takes about five hours to get to Seattle mm-hmm. uh, from the Ho Rainforest. But on the other hand, in the summer, we've got very long days. You have daylight until 10 p.m., so yeah. you could do a really long day Yeah, and get to see a lot of stuff. Let's say you don't want to do a really long day and you want to... You want to stay and and at least camp near or in a rainforest. Can you talk a little bit about your your campsite facilities? Yeah, we've got a campground that has uh, three loops that's open year round. It's about twenty dollars a night. Reservations? And uh, no reservations. So it's first come first serve, and we've got flush toilets and water here, but no showers. Got it. And no hookups for RVs, but. There are other campgrounds in the area that do have hookups and showers that are accessible to people that are also open year-round. So you can absolutely come up here and camp year-round. And uh, if you play your cards right, um, you can get a campsite along the Ho River, which my brother and I were were able to snag. And it was uh, a great way to fall asleep in the end of the night to to hear the river river not too far, feet from where our tents were. So that was a a great aspect as well. What about... um, so uh, my brother's obviously my age, a couple years younger than me. So uh, what if we were with um, children? What are some of the activities you suggest that children would be um, interested in partaking in? Oh, with kids? Yeah, yeah. we have um, the, the hikes are all, especially the Hall of Mosses and Spruce Nature Trail are very kid-friendly because they're loop hikes and they're short. Yeah. So kids really, really like going on those. Uh, we've also got a uh, junior ranger program and the uh, ocean stewards program where you can earn a junior ranger badge and then a patch for the ocean steward. Oh, wow. And those are actually um, for all ages. And most of the people that do them are kids, but we really do encourage adults to do them too because it's a fun way to learn about the park. Oh, great. Well, I'm going to send, uh, I'm going to send that uh, booklet to my brother Dan, who's out there, and tell him to earn his, bad, to earn his patch while, oh, he's, yeah. uh, while he's out there. <laughs> um, uh, and I think I just what's evocative, I was thinking about this with, I was there without our kids, but uh, thinking about the kids on the Hall of Moss Loop Trail, there are some very picturesque um, trees and imaginative trees that if you let your imagination run wild – um, you know, the trees can take different in your mind, take different forms, or you can imagine this kind of, uh, I guess, otherworldly is, is the term I'm, I'm 
coming back to because again, it, as you said, Rachel, it doesn't really these really don't exist in most of the United States, uh, a rainforest like this. So to see some of those dramatic trees and how they were growing to fight for the sun, what little sun there is, the moss hanging off their branches, it's not a hard for a little kid to think, well, that tree may be, may be alive, right? It may be some sentient thing, right? It, 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 uh, it, was, it, it was just a way to evoke a lot of our imagination. So I think that's what would be a lot of fun for kids as well, just to let their imaginations run wild. Yeah, it's definitely, we've had people compare some of the forests up here to um, the one in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because it really is that strange, and most people don't get to see this. And uh, most of the uh, old-growth rainforest that was on the Olympic Peninsula is gone. Uh, but we still have this area left, and it's pretty much been untouched. It has been untouched by people, and has been growing the same way since the last ice age. So you really can get up here and get a sense of being in a very old forest with that otherworldly kind of thing yeah. to it. Which is but by the way, I am I'm, I'm using kids as an excuse. It was pretty neat for an adult like me to let my imagination run wild too and then think about um how evocative uh yeah, like the Hall of Moss Trail was and some how some of those trees were growing. What but along those lines, what's the health of the rainforest? To get back into more um realistic subjects, is is the health of the rainforest good? I know on the East Coast here, our hemlocks are in a lot of trouble. How, how are things out in, in the rainforest? Yeah, I mean, health-wise, it's it's pretty good. We do have uh, the, the, probably the main cause of death for our trees are windstorms mm-hmm. and then fungal and decay that get, it actually gets into the trees that causes them to, to die. Um, but those are all natural processes. They are not... Um, unnatural or you know it's basically what's supposed to happen out here got it well that's great news yeah they do have you know they do of course encourage people if you're camping buy or get your wood from the area that you're camping in so that we don't have invasive species brought in by by uh, firewood got it because there are a lot of insects that could cause a lot of damage if they were to get out here um, where they don't belong, basically. Got it. So what's the radius? So I know um, you all have uh, firewood that's available at the campsites, but, you know, we were there in shoulder season, so there was a, uh, you know, we got wood from right outside the park. Did we break the rules, or is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Anywhere, you know, on the on the peninsula, um, you can pick, pick wood up. And then in the shoulder seasons in our campground, we do allow collecting of dead and down wood for right. fires. right. Uh, of course, the problem with camping in a rainforest <laughs> yeah, exactly. in the off-season is starting, starting a fire when we're getting three inches of rain in a day, which can happen in the winter. Yeah, my brother and I saw that rule, and, you know, we had we were prepared, right? He he had his axe, and we had a hatchet. We were ready to go, and we got to our campsite, and everything was soaked and waterlogged. Yeah. And we thought, oh, yeah, right, we're camping in a rainforest, so what are we going to do now? And uh, magically a guy drove up uh, who was selling firewood uh, from you know a local and so we were able to uh secure enough and uh more than enough and it was uh it was, was kind of like our angel of firewood just magically appeared so it was it was uh uh very serendipitous but yeah i can imagine uh uh that's going to be tough in a rainforest to find dry wood yeah and it's it's one of those areas where if you will test your waterproof gear and a lot of it may not turn out to be as waterproof as you hope but. yeah but that's part of it right i mean you're a rainforest yeah. you have to you know you have to kind of uh, deal with that oh yeah yeah but yeah overall i mean the forest here is pretty healthy so we're, we're pretty fortunate with that so the trees we'll be seeing uh western hemlock 
Sitka spruce? What mm-hmm. else would we be seeing? Um, well, the yeah, the conifers are the western hemlock and Sitka spruce are the two dominant trees that grow out here. Mm-hmm. And then we have a few Douglas firs and a few western red cedars, but those are not as common. The yeah. hemlock and spruce outcompete them by shading them out. Ah, I see. And then, you know, what's some of the uh, fauna that we could um, see or experience? You mentioned the Roosevelt elk. Are there elk indeed in the whole rainforest? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We have a we have a herd, a resident herd of Roosevelt elk that live here, and there's another herd that's further up the Ho River Trail. Um, they do go higher up in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But people still see them quite a bit in the spring and in the fall, especially during the rut when they are looking for mates. And that's the time of year where we really want people to give them a good bit of distance. Um, They get very aggressive. And, of course, any animal with a baby, female elk in the spring when they have their calves, they are extremely protective over their babies. Right. Uh, but yeah, you can see the elk around here quite a bit. Yeah, uh, that's exciting. What are uh, what are some of the other animals that we'd uh, we'd be able to see? Maybe maybe even some smaller, more modest uh, modest sized uh, fauna. Oh, well, we've got uh, we're right off of the uh, Ho River, so we've got a, a Taft Creek, which has um, a big uh, coho salmon and then uh, steelhead run in November, December, and maybe the first week of January. So you can stand on the bridge going over to Hall of Mosses and watch the salmon run. Mm. And we get all kinds of animals that come out here for that. We will see otters and bobcats and eagles, uh, sometimes uh, black bear, because everybody wants salmon at that right. point. Right. Yeah. I kind of want salmon when I when I see those out on TV. You know, bears uh, standing uh, midstream for the salmon run. It kind of makes me hungry for it as well. So I think I'm on the same I'm on the same level. What uh, what about um, is there anything endemic to the actual? whole rainforest that uh, that need a rainforest to survive any any type of amphibian or anything like that that we should keep an eye out for yeah well the amphibians are a little sometimes a little harder to spot but we do have a uh, salamander that lives out here Um, we actually found one the other day because he was trying to hide in a crack in the wall in the visitor center oh (laughs) so people really got to see him and uh, we were we had a whole group of people trying to rescue this poor little guy, and we did get him out, got yeah. him, take him back to the woods where he belonged. But yeah, they are a little bit more difficult to spot, um, especially in the, in the colder months. They're not very active. Um, I, I can imagine, uh, especially there's a lot of cover in that rainforest, so it's not exactly it's something's going to pop out. If they want to hide, they right. can pretty pretty much hide. Uh, any... Pretty much hide, and then the uh, other other animal that people look for a lot out here are the banana slugs. They have a bit of a cult following, which <laughs> I think is amazing. And they're, they are huge and bright yellow, um, sometimes yellow and, and brown spotted. Uh, there's a, I think it's UCLA and Santa Cruz has them as their college mascot. That's right. That's right. I've seen that. I said, or Santa Barbara, <laughs> one of those two. Somewhat, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, Santa Barbara, I, yeah. <laughs> how big is a banana slug? The banana slugs, I think you can get about six to eight inches. Yeah, it's pretty big. That's pretty big. It's yeah. pretty gross, but pretty big. But pretty, pretty big. <laughs> they're, they're all nature's creatures. Well, hey, with that, I, I just some obvious questions. If uh, someone wanted to bring their dog, are dogs allowed on the trails or are they allowed at the campsites? How, what are some of the rules there? Uh, you can bring dogs in the campsites. You can have dogs in the campground with your um, 
well, while you're camping or if you're just going for a walk in the campground, um, dogs are not allowed on trails in the Ho Rainforest. Uh, but you can take dogs down to between Claylock and Ruby Beach if they are on leash. Got it. Uh, and you definitely want to keep them close. Um, we did have a dog last summer who was off leash who was chased by a cougar and did survive. Yeah. Uh, but dogs are very interesting to cougars and maybe on the menu. So definitely if you have your dog on the beach, keep them on a leash. Right, right. I can I can imagine, especially given the size of the dog, it could be a, a pretty easy snack for a cougar. So that's a good point. Yeah, um, yeah and cougar can prey on elk. So most dogs are not as big as a full-grown elk. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't know that. That's a good point. Um, well, last question is we just noticed that uh, that it looks like the um, the hoe will be closed for a little bit uh, a little a little bit this fall. Do you, do you have any details on that in case anyone's planning a trip? Yeah, we are. Uh, last last fall, we had one of our our big storms that dropped about ten inches of rain over a couple of days, and it uh, took out part of the entrance road. So September 5th, we're going to close for four to six weeks. They're going to tear out the part of the road that was damaged and rebuild it. And they had to do that down at Mora last year near Rialto Beach. So it's going to be a similar project. They're going to rebuild the road and put um, big boulders and just more protection for that area so that the river, when the river goes back up again, because it will. Um we won't lose the road again. So that should, yeah, September 5th through maybe the first or second week of October. All right. The hoe will be closed. Good to know. But but firing on all cylinders up until then, as far as you know. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And then the uh, Quinault will be open, though, so people can still go visit a rainforest. Um, There's a couple of waterfalls around the Quinault that are, are right near the road, so that's very easily doable for a day hike. And then the Kessner Homestead and Maple Glade Loop will take you around some of those big trees and the Quinault, and you'll get to go through one of the maple groves with the big hanging mosses, and you get that same otherworldly feel down there. Okay. That's a good tip as well. So that's great if to head down to Quinault if you're going to miss out on the hoe, or just if you're down in Quinault anyway, just check it out as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. The One of the biggest spruce trees is on the south shore of the Quinault. Yeah, uh, we saw that too. That was our first night yeah. we stayed over there. We saw that. That's pretty impressive. Um, last question for you. And again, thanks so much for your time. Do you have a special story about the hoe? I know you've been, it sounds like you've been there for a while and, and, and maybe you've taken it for granted. Maybe you haven't taken it for granted, but has there been a morning or a visit or some sort of encounter where you, where you said, wow, this is really, it's all coming together. This is really a special place. Well, I like coming, you know, my, probably my favorite thing about this place is in the fall when all the maple trees turn color so that you get a lot of oranges and yellows and going up first thing in the morning uh hollow mosses to the maple grove and the moss mass fall color everything is absolutely beautiful and i thought it was very peaceful and that was one of the my favorite things about this place that sounds uh that sounds lovely and really special well well, we'll end on that note. Rachel, thank you so much for your time. We we really appreciate it and excited to head back and, and see you again. Yeah, yeah, please do. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources in the show notes for this episode on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on Support Our Show. 
You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, write a review and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or send us your comments at everybody'snationalparks.com forward slash contact. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybody's national parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.